Are you sitting comfortably? Then we'll begin. Listening to the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM and online at CITR.ca. We're coming to you live from the University of British Columbia on the unceded Musqueam Territory. If you're listening to the podcast, this is episode 198. I'm Steve Pander. I'm Zachary Adam Eisenhower. And I'm Gideon Hill. And just to let you know also, the AFTN show, Soccer Show is brought to you in partnership with bcsoccerweb.com, your one-stop site for all local, national, and international news, and they come with links, which is very important. Bill Curry does a great job. Oh, fantastic job. It was a great job initially when they first started up. That, Richard Howes. Yeah, Richard yeah. Howes, and then this is really taking it to another level. Um, and as, we, as you can hear, we're not joined by our resident Scottish <laughs> bloke, Michael McCall. This, uh, this, this Once ep- again in Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> this episode does have less ac- accents on it than usual. Oh, that's for sure. And um, I th- uh, there's something about him in Oregon. It seems like he's, I, I kind of, you know, maybe spying for the Timbers a little bit. <laughs> seems like, feels like, I don't know. You're saying he's there giving the Timbers organization information Somehow, on us? Yeah, maybe. What's going on there? Well, they must be paying him well to, to, maybe. to get that. Room and board. <laughs> Um, so uh, let's get down to the uh, talk about the Caps themselves. Um, obviously, kind of a mixed week. Didn't start out that great in Montreal. But let's talk about yesterday, the 3-1 win against Atlanta. Um, a lot of people talking about, uh, what was it, 27 goals in 60 seconds. Uh, basically, it took them only 360 seconds to score the first goal <laughs> there. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts overall on the game? And how it went. Um, yeah, another difficult test at home for the Caps. You know, it was kind of a, a Toronto FC situation for me with the way that the team was hyped up. Um, just the way, you know, the stars and all that. And, you know, I think Atlanta came to play for sure. Like, uh, I know Kendall Watson was talking at halftime about how they really came to the Caps. And not just in the first 20 minutes, in the first five minutes, I noticed when I was sitting, Atlanta just, just took it and drove it to the Caps right away. And uh, th- they defended well. And then... Uh, Obviously not after after the goal, I should say they had defended well, but full credit to Atlanta. They came to play, and especially after that first goal, I think t- Tides turned away from Atlanta, but they did a very good job to open up the game away on the road. Yeah, it felt like they really wanted to get something quick. It's like if they, they felt like they were going to be 
they, uh, they, they want me to be, be able to hold on. And so they would get something quick on the board and then defend or something like that. I, I, but obviously it didn't work out for them. Zach, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, the, the game as a whole, it was, uh, again, another, I think, good performance. I think we, I think we have it to It wasn't say. as dominant as the scoreline shows. I, I, would you agree with that? Because all goals from set pieces, not, nothing through the buildup. Yeah, but that... Uh, it, obviously goals, we, you get goals the way you want to, but it, 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 I'm not going to say it was like, cheap or something like that but they 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 earned their goals through the set plays and earning those set plays but um you kind of want to see more build-up and and there were the those build-up chance they, they were missed right yeah. but when you but if you look at the if you look at the number of chances created and that kind of stuff i yeah. think i think you, you saw that i mean atlanta did hit the woodwork twice which you know we doubled that last you know last <laughs> yeah match, that's, so. that's nothing <laughs> um, um no no so i i think Dominant is probably too is definitely too strong of a word, but yeah, I know I think we were full you know full value for the for the three one win. It was uh, yeah, like you said, it was it was uh, kind of a not a another early goal, yeah, which was kind of kind of difficult. Um, I don't know, Steve. Is it okay if we talk about that goal a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Bring up the goals. This is, yeah, this is like a goals. this is like a a, a Whitecaps beat. An no, no. Anatomy of a goal. Can we <laughs> yeah. Do that oh, if you want to, that's a long a few years ago. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was a really interesting goal because you look a couple of things. Um, and some of Michael's talked a little bit of this on Twitter a little bit already. But um, w- one of the things that was uh, two two things I think that stood out, and one we've already mentioned. One is it looked like the, the Whitecaps. Uh, were very intentional about um, knowing that they could take advantage of Atlanta onset plays, and we'll talk about that more when it comes to our, our goals, because uh, obviously all three were were connected to set plays. Uh, the other thing that uh, was noticeable is that we did we did more pressing in this game than I think we've done in a long time, and I think that was really intentional. I uh, felt like they gave away possession a little bit. Again, it, it played into their hands. They wanted, they didn't really want possession too much. The Whitecaps, yeah. Well, I think that I think they did some high pressing more than more than normal. Yeah, yeah. and it mostly mostly worked out on the goal. However, if you go back and you watch, not just like the last pass or the last two passes, or if you go back and watch the play from basically the beginning, yeah, it was kind of a mishap on the high press because what happened was. Um, uh, what happened was, uh, I think Tachera, the bug, got caught uh, in high, high pressing in a bit of the wrong area. He kind of pushed inside and was was going to press or or block a passing zone to one of the center backs who was kind of moved out wide, and Garza moved up wide along the touchline, moved up the field. The ball went to, I don't know if it was the other center back or if it was Laurentowitz or one of the, 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 the two holding midfielders who had dropped deep between the center backs, yeah. got on the ball. And, and the, the crazy thing about Atlanta, and I think this in part has to do with you know, who their coach is and how he's, how he's coached yeah. them, but um, it was incredible recognition of, of space opening up. So what happened was that person on the ball recognized our left fullback is in space. Not a lot of space, but he's in space because of how Tachera had pushed up. So he makes a pass out to the Garza. What happened then was uh, Shannon saw this developing and decided to take a risk. Yeah. And he so pushed he, forward as he well. pushed forward because he thought, okay, I'll just go up and I'll jockey Garza. But Garza also then really recognizes really quick that 
Shannon's leaving this huge gap behind him. And what does he do? He plays the ball first time. He plays the pass first time past uh, past Shannon. And now I think it was uh, Assad and Assad, to Assad kind of further up yeah, and a little bit in. So Assad was in just acres of space, a huge gap. He then cuts to the middle. And Garza, the thing about Garza, he doesn't just make this one-touch pass and stop. He makes his one-touch pass and, and just going. keeps going like yeah. gangbusters. And Williams never fully recovered. Um, Assad cuts into the middle. He sees uh, Gressel making this one on the right, plays the Gressel. Gressel makes a, a, beautiful, a beautiful yeah. cross, mm-hmm. a very dangerous cross. And Garza, all of a sudden you're like, everyone's like, how is he open at, at – how is he so alone? And it's because uh, – first, Tachera yeah. first. And, and then Williams. Williams yeah. never – Williams never – because you look at it, it looks like Williams kind of just jogging back. No, because Williams kind of like – uh, I can't remember. I want to say lunge, but that might be a bit harsh on him. Yeah. He really risked it all it, and never got never it, got it back. Felt like, it felt like they studied really well. Oh, and, totally. And they, and they yeah. applied it on that one play. And then because if you if we were looking at the bench after that goal was scored and a lot of instructions were being shouted <laughs> out onto the field after that. And that seemed like it was. But now, it, was, it was a great it – was, it was our part of our game plan. We just missed it a little bit, or miscommunicated, or mistimed in in Shannon's case. Yeah, but you're right; they we adjusted well afterwards. And so then, obviously, um, it seemed like, oh, here we go again, uh, falling down again. But then, Waston shows great skill in the box and and puts away. uh, He he said it was his first goal from his foot since Costa Rica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From where I was like, from my position, right when the ball came over the top, like you're thinking, like Watson, like, like you said, you know, he's too far out to head that ball, and full credit to him for taking it down his chest, like right when he he was facing uh, towards the the far touchline when he got that ball. So you're thinking, like, how is he going to do this? Like last week, he, he hit the crossbar with the, with the bicycle kick, right? So you're like, how is he going to do this? And full credit to him, he he shielded off. I think it was Parkhurst. Parkhurst, and just, yeah, and Parkhurst was yeah. the one that kept him on side as well. Yeah, on that so. Play. Fantastic! I think Parkhurst was caught a couple times uh, on yesterday offside, but Waston was just an exceptional finish. You know, and and celebration as well. It's it, great. It, it looked it looked really skillful initially. Then when you saw a replay, like a regular uh, speed replay, it looked clumsy. <laughs> and then when you looked at the extra slow mo, then actually you saw the, what he tried to do there. And he actually he he noticed Parker's coming. He shielded him off, and then he struck it sideways. It, yeah. was, it was a nice goal. And then they came back again and scored another one. Uh, this time, a, a typical goal he scores uh, right from the head or into the back of the net. Uh, Parker was right there too, uh, kind of causing chaos at the post. But it was a great great strike as well on that one. Yeah, I mean, yeah, both Kendall's goals I think were incredibly well taken. I don't know, I think you guys mentioned there, but it's hard not to talk about the fact that he has played. Or you know, growing up, he played striker yeah. quite, quite, a, quite a bit, and yeah. you could see it was those kind of instincts, right? And you heard, you know, listening to him talk about it after, you know, you could just, it was kind of like a striker or an old striker's kind of, you know, kind of goal. Yeah, Qual- quality finish, and then the header, textbook down into the ground. Yeah, it looked like Timmy was maybe going to get a touch on it, but oh, he, he, he was at least causing chaos at yeah. the yeah, post, yeah. which which always gets in the head of the keeper. And he would score later, so that's okay. Yeah, well. That, we'll talk about that right now. Uh, who do you think scored that that third goal? I I think by the way the keeper's mitt went into the back of the net that it was Parker's goal. Yeah. But it was good that Montero was there just to finish up, so you don't have to rely on the referee to make that call. Yeah, this is the age old like bringing up the assistant referee thing. 
for me, either way, it's a goal. I, like for a fan's perspective, and for I, I think for most people, it was nice to see Montero get it. Three perspectives for me: one, first first look Montero, like it's good for him to break that. I don't know, was it five five games good for him? Second look, like uh, I don't know, like it was still you know Montero was tough to him. And then third look, like that was Parker's goal, one hundred percent on the replay. And full credit to uh, to Parker, even though he did run away and celebrate and, and miss the play, but. It was, you know, a goal's a goal for the Whitecaps. Yeah, and I don't think the MLS is going to re- reverse it. They normally reverse stuff if it's like uh, goes goal to own goal or own goal to goal or something well, like that. Well, if they don't correct it, then they're foolish. Well, like, that's, I, I, I don't yeah. think they will. I don't think they will. That's, I, that's what we were told. About. I can't remember who it was, but somebody mentioned that to me uh, during the scrums downstairs. I'm sure they can change yeah, that they, napkin. Yeah. They could, but I don't think they usually do that when it when it comes to that. Why would you? Why would you not? It want might to... not have been definitive video for them to, to overrule. It. I'm just I'm just saying they might not. I, why we'll would, see. We'll why, see. Would you, why would you not want to get something right? Oh well, that's MLS. <laughs> no, but what did you? I, like from where we were, it looked like it was in. I, think, I only I, only only LWO four on Twitter. Uh, John Humphreys, he was like, no, he got it. He got it. He got it. From the way his the, – where, and I, I think uh, I was talking to Carl Valentine as well. I think it was Carl Valentine. Um, where his mitt was, it seemed like it was over the, yeah, over the yeah, line. Because if you – but that's a lot of physics and stuff like that. So I don't want to even deal with that stuff. No, it, 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 it was over the line. Um, and then – okay, so let's the, talk the, – The other thing is yeah. the only bonus from this for Tim Parker – uh, which, which was, I think, mentioned on Twitter earlier today, is that he didn't get slapped in the face for yes. scoring this goal. Yeah. It was funny. <laughs> but he did He did slap Kendall on the and Kendall's second goal. Oh, did he? Yeah. He, not, well, not hard, but... The slapping continues. Um, uh, question overall uh, for this team right now. Where Do you think they're going to go anywhere from this, like this uh, formation at all at this point? Right now, it's whether they win or lose, it seems like they're on... They have a, like a kind of a, a formula, and they were, I think they're going to stick to it, whether it be lineup or uh, uh, formation. I think I think right now it's they're stuck in. Yeah, but but and we you know I think we're going to talk about this in greater detail later on. the The only thing with that is that we don't we're currently selecting from not a full squad, and there are yes. players who are coming back from injuries. That I think mm, we want to influence how we play and want to be a part of the side because we're you know Line, the, the, lineups can change but formation that that, that it's yeah, hard to forma- see them. yeah formation I see where you're coming from Steve but. Like, so, oh so, okay you're just talking for, okay yeah, like, I, if we just okay. talk about formation four one and tactics four one four one with the pressing style I think they they kind of bottled something and I think they want to stick to it I think we okay do you think we've pressed more in this last game than we have in some of those others though. I think, it's, I, I think he, they pick the spots when to press and when not to press. DC was who, who yeah, calls obviously. that? Who's calling that? It's, it must be coming from the sideline or somebody particular on on okay. the field to when to press. Because because that would be the ideal thing to for somebody on the field to call it. Like on, you're kind of uh, yeah. On uh, on, uh, on Friday, I uh, Friday I got to hang out a little bit at the very end of training, so I didn't get to see everything. But so Michael was saying that, and I think he said this on Twitter tonight that. This was one of the things that they were working on the most on fr- on Friday at training was their shape, and and they were doing a lot of high pressing on uh, in training on Friday to get ready for the game on Saturday. It, do you feel they went they pressed all the time, or do you think they picked their spots? I I kind of noticed that they picked their spots. Yeah. They were willing to like fall back a little bit once in a while, but uh, sometimes they didn't. No, I don't. I don't think it's. Uh, I don't know. I w- watched the game again today on yeah. the PVR. And I didn't think it was holistically a high press. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think – I think that would be 
maybe a, a, I don't think that's a good way to describe it. Yeah, there were moments. I, there were there were periods of it. So there was one other crazy play that happened close to the, near the end of the game in the second half of the game. I got a little bit of audio from uh, Carl Robinson <laughs> about that. We'll listen to that and we'll come back and what what the referee was thinking. Is as a coach, you get that tight. You're in the emotion of the game. And all you want is an explanation, whether it's right or wrong. If they give you an explanation, you can accept it. You can tell them they're wrong and call them all the names under the sun, or you can accept it. And Robert did. He said that Freddie Montero is a striker, and he went down and he gave a penalty. And I said it was a foul in our box, and he said yes. That's why you reversed the decision. So <laughs> it's a great explanation. Um, so I, I left it at that. So essentially, I thought when the the call was made and it was reversed, I thought they thought initially that. Montero called, got you know, got called for the foul, and the ref- linesman reversed the decision. But afterwards, you find out that the the referee thought it was the wrong box, basically. So, so two things. One, it's almost like unbelievable, right? That that he called that he called a penalty because Montero because because there was a foul on our own player in our own box, right? It's almost unbelievable, right? It's it's almost it feeds the narrative of how poor the refereeing is in MLS. Well, at least he owned up to it, which is yes. yes. That's the other point is you he, have could, to, he could have he could have you know said yes. oh no it was a foul. I, I'm I, I, some referees will would just go with it. Yes, and once it's called, it's so called. you I totally so you, I I I, I want to give him that cre- the credit for that for being like you could see if you watch the replay, he says my fault he says I got it wrong or, or my I, fault or I, something I think yeah I made, I, my my I, my yeah. bad or whatever. Yeah. The only thing I would say that different than between this game and last game, where last game was it Soren Stoika? Is that who's yes. ruined the last, yes. last game? game. Yeah. Oh, yes. Soren Stoika, I felt like watching that game, I think he got the most important decision wrong and ruined the game. But I felt actually watching the whole game, I thought he wasn't too bad. And my notes that I made as I was watching this game, I, f- I felt like there were a number of things that he either got wrong or really failed to. You know, uh, you know, control controlling the game. You know, early on, like early in the first half, in the first ten minutes, Almiron was not was not booked for an intentional handball, which could yeah. happen. <laughs> um, Maddie Maddie Laba had a tackle from behind. He did get part of the ball, but he could have easily been booked for it because he also went through the man a little bit. There were just a number of kind of instances where uh, 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 Car- Carmona, uh, the Chilean. Uh, should have been booked for uh, for a tackle he had on our striker. Um, Did you mention the Tichero? The one with Tichero was. I'm getting. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm yeah, getting to that. I'm, yeah. I'm just scrolling through my notes. That was that was egregious. That was a really missed one. Yeah. So the, there, and there was two. There, so there was two. Yeah. Uh, talking about talking about penalties, there was two that that I think if they were against us, if it was Kendall Watson making those plays, I think they would have been given. Guy. Yeah. So one was uh, who was it then? Uh, the late one was Alfonso when he did like the 85th minute or so. Alfonso dribbled into the box, and Alfonso's not old enough to earn a penalty. It seems <laughs> oh like. my goodness! <laughs> at least you, at least you, at least you had a creative way of bringing up his age this time. Yeah. Um. He he kind of dribbled in, and I sw- I swear that would would be given against us in the past. Although to be fair, I think he didn't call because the defender kind of just stood his ground, and Alfonso I think kind of megged him and then kind of ran into him. But I've seen those kind of things given against us, right? Or or worse, given against us. And then, yeah, was the other one? Was it to Yeah, Bug. Yeah, the Bug. The Bug, the first half, 35th minute, Bug was taken down in the box. 
I, I think every day that one against us would be given. I think the fact that we were, uh, I think the I think the fact that it was an even game and he didn't like it was kind of like he didn't want to. He didn't want to be the one to to change the game, so he's like, "Okay, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give that as a penalty." But it, the, watching that one back, to me, it looked like a penalty. Yeah. What, uh, what about you? What have you? No, uh, I I think I think there were definitely some calls that could have been made called the penalties, and and some referees would have called it. Uh, obviously, this guy was tr- maybe trying to keep the game close. I don't know. Maybe he didn't want to be as controversial and call a penalty, but he did at the <laughs> at one point. It was just the wrong box. Gideon, what's your thoughts? Yeah, going back to the atrocity that happened last week, you know, that's two, I believe, reverse calls, if you could say that, in, in two weeks for the Whitecaps. Obviously, this one works out uh, well for them, but, you know, it's just, I'm not sure what the refs anymore. I thought, you know, when the ref put his hand up, I was like, oh, like, Waston got the handball, but then point him on Terra, I'm thinking, what's going on there? So, obviously, I'm, I'm glad that he owned up to it, because most refs wouldn't, and I, I give credit to him for that, but, again, like, that can you can't have two reverse calls within two games like it's just for me that's that can't be acceptable in this kind of league and there was one call that was early in the game that was reversed by the linesman or something like that when um uh, williams was taken down in the his, their own box and it was going to be a corner and then they switched it to a, a free kick the uh, uh referee initially said no and the linesman told them yeah it was a foul and so that was reversed as well. So there were a number of reverse calls, but it's good to get them reversed if it's the right call. Yeah, right. Exactly, yeah. I, one one thing early, earlier that happened earlier in the day. Uh, maybe we'll talk about the Champions League a little bit later on. But there was one moment in the Champions League uh, that was kind of felt was a really awful call. Was when uh, well, I can't even remember the player now. Uh, got sent off. The sending off in the Champions oh, Corrado. League. Corrado. Yeah, uh, Rambo no. uh, Cor- Cordado. Yeah, yeah, the Colombian, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the Colombian. Yeah, yeah. The Colombian yes. yeah, it was on Ramos. Juventus, Juventus is Colombian, just to be clear. Yeah. Um, his second bookable offense for literally like doing nothing, like just and then Sergio Ramos uh, totally dove and totally embellished. Um, we were sitting, you know, in red card watching the game together. A few of us from Curva Collective and 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 Massimo Massimo spoke up. He's just like, he's like, see, like every big game, you know, we talked about the FA Cup a week or two ago. The FA Cup, that ref. You know, I know Rob will praise him for giving simulation against Moses, but he, the 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 opening goal by Arsenal should never have counted. It was handball and offside. Yeah. Anyways, we're sitting in the in the in the pub talking about this, and and Massimo said, "This is this is the one thing, <laughs> the one thing I agree with Don Garber on." Because <laughs> if you know Massimo, he doesn't. <laughs> no, not, not I big, know I know Massimo, and he doesn't agree. Yeah, doesn't, you know, he's not a big fan of Don Garber. He doesn't agree with anybody usually. Oh no, he's, oh I love Massimo. Oh, he's I'm very. Kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm he's just kidding. very agreeable. <laughs> um. He said, this is the one thing I agree with Don Garber on, is that refereeing all over the world, there's issues. And MLS, they're trying to they're doing their they're doing their thing. So you see in these other leagues where there's big decisions that are made that that cost games, that cost It gets swept under the rug and nobody even discusses it anymore. After well, well they discuss it, but then they, by the next week it's something some other call that usually happens. And nobody really pays attention. I agree with you there that he, MLS you, actually addresses it. Yeah, he was kind of he was point was like, look, refing all over the world in football is not where it should be. Yeah. So um, normally we have audio from Atlanta, but we are running late. Uh, so if you want to listen to the Atlanta audio, Michael will be inserting it right now. Pause. And. Uh, <laughs> to the, the patience and deliberation y'all used in the previous three games, the build-from-the-back approach today, it seemed to just kind of disappear after y'all scored your first goal. Uh, you know, I think we did build from the back. From what I saw, I think we did build from the back. I think we uh, we emphasized on 
this week not receiving a goal uh, on, on set pieces. And we received three goals today on set pieces. You know, that's, that's pretty unfortunate for us. But uh, I think we still tried to emphasize our game as much as possible. Uh, we still tried to play out of the back. We still tried to play our game. But uh, it's, it's difficult. You have a team that... Uh, was very well organized, uh, but still, you can't you can't you can't be scored on three times uh, on set pieces uh, defensively. So we'll have to regroup. As I said, uh, turn the page as quickly as possible and focus on uh, next week. Was there a consistency? Only three goals allowed on the corner kicks, or like a communication or something like that? No, uh, you know, I we went through it. We probably went through about 15 different videos uh, this week about uh, how well they were on free kicks and uh, just. I don't know. I know what happened to us. We just couldn't execute defensively, and uh, it's very unfortunate for us to, to really give up those uh, those three goals and and not. I mean, it was one player every single time. So uh, we'll definitely have to turn the page on that as quickly as possible. Kind of forget everything that happened today. What kind of problem does Kendall Waston pose in the box this size? Um, I mean, you, you're able to see the problems he caused us. So uh, it's pretty obvious with three goals, him being involved. It's. Uh, very difficult to, to, to really uh, tally with a guy that 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 tall and that uh, well in the air, but uh, it is what it is. You know, there's we can't we can't go back and change our actions. We as I said, we went through I don't know how many videos, uh, so it's pretty disappointing that we, we still uh, after all the videos we had gone over, we still go through that and uh, suffer three goals defensively. So uh, yeah, it's 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 suffering on our part. how y'all emphasized defending uh, corners and free kicks this week. What happened on the three goals? Uh, yeah, we didn't do a good enough job. Obviously, the the first one we we push out, but we don't uh, we don't stay organized, um, and they get a second ball. You know, Waston is a beast in the air on the others. Um, you know, we tried to have a guy in the zone and a guy marking, but uh, you know he's very good in the air, obviously, and. Um, you know, we paid the price. We just gave up too many set pieces, too many corners, too many opportunities for them. Uh, we knew that uh, that was a big strength for them and a weakness for us, and uh, we got punished today. You guys dominated possession for most of the match. Why didn't it show up on the score sheet today? Yeah, we knew we would. Um, you know, it, it's it was our strength, and then their strength was the counterattack and the set pieces, and their strength went out today. Um, you know, they were very organized defensively. Uh, the dry turf made it difficult for us to, to play quickly, um, to play through lines, and um, you, know, uh, you know we weren't good enough defending their their strengths. What did, from your viewpoint of the back, what did they do to kind of negate out today? They had a constant pressure on them. They uh, they had a guy always uh, aware of his whereabouts. Um, you know, we didn't do a good enough job getting him in the game, um, giving him the ball, and um, you know, we even said that. Being said, he almost scored a goal today in the second half. Had a big chance. Um, you, know, um, you know, for us in the back, it was just difficult for us to get him the ball through the lines because of the dry turf. But um, you know, we need to do a better job of uh, you know, getting him and and the rest of the offensive guys in, in good spots. Coming in and uh, with Atlanta having one of the better expansion seasons so far, what was your expectations coming into the season, and how do you how do you how have they exceeded them so far? Well, they haven't exceeded my expectations. Um, you know, we we expected ourselves to be a winning team from day one. That um, you know, from the outside, yes, we're a uh, 
a first-year team, but uh, everybody inside this locker room has got uh, much bigger expectations than um, you know a, a normal first-year team. You know, we expect to go out and, and not only be competitive but win games and then put ourselves in the playoffs. And um, so, you know, I'm not surprised at the start, but um, you know, we're taking it one game at a time, and uh, we want to just try and get better throughout the course of the season. on the match a very good start for you guys yeah we started really well um, we actually worked a lot watching the videos on Vancouver uh, we know they had uh, the aerial dominance uh, against us over us and um, it showed a lot to Tino today um, three set pieces three goals for them um, which is, is disappointing for us was it the defending on the day for you guys, or was it the, the first goal by Kendall? What was the turning point that had the game flip over to them? Um, yeah, probably the first goal. Um, you know, I think we we had quite a lot of possession. I didn't feel like we was in any danger, um, you know, during open play. Um, but we knew corner kicks, free kicks, they were very dangerous. And, you know, um, goals change games, you know, and, and they got three goals, like I said, from set pieces and, you know, really killed the game for us. So Tyrone, you're from Manchester. Yeah. How resilient and how much has the town come together after the terrorist attack? Yeah, I had a, a few uh, family members at the, the concert. Um, you know, it was, it was a really difficult time, uh, you know, not just for Manchester, but for the country. I think for everyone, you know, they felt it, you know, um, you know, it was pretty much a, a concert really for kids and, you know, um, something happening like that, um, it's devastating, but everybody's come together, you know, there's been a lot of support all around the world, which is really nice and, you know, we'll move on and, and um, it's just unfortunate that that's the, that's the world we're living in right now. Your sister-in-law, right? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, my sister-in-law was there. Um, you know, she loves Ariana Grande. Uh, I think she'll be going to the the, the next concert as well. Uh, but yeah, difficult time. And you know, her name's Saffron. And you know, I read in the news that I think one of the youngest girls that was killed was called Saffron. So yeah, it's 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 just really really devastating for all those families. Thank you very much for your time, Tyrone. Cool. And so we're back from the Atlanta audio. Uh, uh, but let's talk about some of the other guys. We talked about Waston. Um, some other standouts. Uh, I thought Tichera had a, a great game. Um, he was, like, buzzing all over the place. Um, Jacobson had his moments, especially a couple of times when he was trying to kill the game. Uh, you guys, uh, getting your thoughts on some of the other standouts in yesterday's game. Yeah, I'm going to say it's just because I know Andrew Jacobson has been hasn't been like I don't know how to say this but he hasn't been a main starter since he came here he's been good to plug in at center back at times but I think every time he's he's um every time he he's been put on the field he, he has performed up to up to snuff and yesterday was just full value like he's he doesn't get credit you know he, he some say he's an older guy and he he's been around but he's been around for good reasons he's a very good player to have in our team he's under the radar pickup for sure, and just the way, like you saw, he's uh, excellent on his feet. He may not be the so, fastest, so, yeah, exactly. He's very technical, yeah. it's, he, it, like you're surprising too. You don't expect it, yeah, but he, he's got his moments. He beat two or three guys yesterday with just one little pullback move, and he, he's just a great guy, a great character. And I would like to see him with this right now. If they stay healthy and, and no suspensions, knock on wood, they like this formation and this 
these players they could get something done for sure. Oh yeah, easy. Just, just you know that that's not wood. Just you know. <laughs> Zach, your thoughts on any standout players, or do you have some tweets? Yeah, I think yeah, we got some tweets. Uh, I don't know how Michael keeps up the tweets. There's so many. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, that's why I sent it to you. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, Stan, yeah, you were talking about were you, Jacobson. Is that yeah, Jacob, about? Yeah, yeah, I Jacobson, think AJ. Yeah. I think AJ is having just a massive season. I think when you when you go back and you look at the preseason and the early part of the season, if you if you went to training, he was one of the guys who you could tell not necessarily like he was going to play more minutes or anything like that, but on a like a leadership level with the team, you could see. Obviously, Kendall's the captain, and that's been. I think everyone would say that's been uh, really appreciated the way that's played out. But you could there was times where at some early training sessions you would see Robbo take guys like Jordan Harvey or Jordan Harvey and AJ or just AJ, and they were talking about tactics. They were talking about how they wanted to play. They were they were kind of discussing those things, and it's great to see him, you know, be a part of that. Um, part of that, uh, you know, part of that that discussion at least, you know, on kind of like where things are at and now to see him not just kind of be like a off the field influence in the side to see him be an on the field influence side has been really really uh encouraging he's earned a spot as well for sure totally he's okay if we go to some tweets Steve? sure oh. is that okay yeah keep it about the atlanta game then yeah was- we'll do more tweets about other topics later on Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, we have one about refereeing. Sure, go ahead. So it's not... That kind of fits the Atlantic game, yeah. considering that call. So it's from... Let me read here. It's at AFTN Canada. Oh, excellent. <laughs> I think I know that guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, so Michael tweeted and he said, With Ortiz only getting a one-game ban, does that make the benefits of diving for a penalty outweigh the punishment? Uh, if it deals... If it uh, coincides with three points for that team, yes, it does. It's it the suspension is no big deal for t- players that get you know three points for the team because of a dive. I I think it needs to for like that kind of situation maybe up it to two, but I I think even then some teams will take it like DC United like they were struggling they needed to win any way possible. Yeah. yeah, for me I think it'd be based on two things like one would be you know who you're playing the next game I don't think you you know you dive on purpose but that just for me and two would be. Like for me, when I played soccer, you know, it's just tough to to take a dive and say, "Oh yeah, like that was a foul for sure." But like for me, I don't know, professional soccer players are different, but it's just so hard to to take the dive and own own up to it and say, "Oh, that was a foul for sure," right? But I don't know if that makes sense. To you guys. So, so during the 2010 World Cup, I wrote a blog for I was doing some blogging for the Sun, and um, I t- talked about this. So like, this is a huge cultural thing. Yeah, for sure. So we could talk about this forever, right? But yeah. like, so f- there are cultures around the world where embellishing, uh, simulating, diving, whatever language you want to use to describe it, is actually, it's it's not viewed in the negative way that most North Americans view it, right? It's viewed as being clever. It's viewed as, um, like, if you can if you can con the referee, then, you know, then you've done well. And even if you get caught, you were clever for trying to con the referee. So It's a badge of honor almost. Yes, in, <laughs> in, in, in many ways, right? So that's why the hand of God goal is an example. It's not looked down upon. It's like this glorious moment, um, and obviously, it, a certain it, country doesn't it, agree it, with you. <laughs> it, it worked out very well for them, but no. So I, I, I do not think that the the punishment fits the crime. To be honest, it was especially when you look at Ortiz being fined for simulating. Not that affected the result of the game, but simulating the game before he was fined, and then now he only got a one game ban and a fine. First off, like they've done with. Uh, 
allocation money, we need to know what these fines are. Yeah. We know what their salaries are. We need to know what these fines are. If yeah. these fines are five hundred dollars or twenty five hundred dollars, or it's like, worth it. Well, yeah, like yeah. you know, because because we don't know is the player paying that? Is the is the club paying that? It's, right? It's usually union agreed these fines. Right. So we should know. We should maybe someone does, but we should we should really knows what we should really know what those are like. Um, because I, I, the punishment for me did not for the crime. It should have no. been a two a two match ban at least. Yeah, but then again, if they're gonna if they're gonna yeah. do suspension, but then, if they are if they're not, then who cares, right? But but, it, but they're also going off precedent a little bit, right? Yes. So I, I didn't agree with it. I thought there was uh, the year before there was reason for a penalty given, but Masato Kudo was yeah. given a one match ban yeah. for the same thing, which uh, yeah. I think they were trying to overcompensate last year, and I think now they're probably maybe getting more into what they want to do with that rule. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out the rest of the season, especially with the second half with VAR coming in. Vieira. For sure. So uh, that's, an, I guess, enough talk about Atlanta. Um, it was a great win. Uh, we're going to take a break now, and we'll be back with more talk on the Caps and the midweek game against Montreal. Welcome back. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM on, and online at CITR.ca from the University of British Columbia on the unceded Musqueam Territory. It's kind of a mouthful there. <laughs> um, uh, that last track that you, you heard before coming into break was the Wonder Woman theme song. A great movie. Saw it with the kids. Nice. They loved it. They think Wonder Woman is better than Batman and Superman right now, so it's awesome. Um, but wait, wait you have watch to, the Dark Knight. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, they haven't seen that part. Yeah, they, have, they were too young for that. Have you seen Wonder Woman? Yes. Okay, I just said that. Oh, sorry. I'm not going to spoil it. Okay, don't tell. Yeah, me. I'm not yeah. uh, But uh, speaking of Wonder Woman, you have to wonder what the Whitecaps were thinking when it comes to uh, the Voyagers Cup. Oh. Now, I put out a poll. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna actually give you guys the poll results. It's not you know. It's it's. I asked which set of results would you rather have this week for the Caps: a win versus Atlanta and exit from the Cup, or advance in the Cup and loss in Atlanta. Basically, come sixty eight percent like the results the way they went up, and thirty two percent would rather advance in the Cup and and have a loss against Atlanta. I saw your poll, but I didn't answer. Okay, and I we what, talk about it. Here. What would your answer have been? You could have answered. You could have voted in the poll. It's. It. I mean, it's not that simplistic, right? I think yeah. it's a lot more complex than that. Well. Polls are usually have to be simplistic in right. order to get them answered. Right. I think, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to put an essay out on Twitter. <laughs> before it's I, uh, 140 character essay. I definitely would have taken advancing in the Voyager's Cup. How, however, had we exited the, the Cup and also lost, lost to it. Oh, that would have been, been the worst. Been, I never, that's why I never put that option out there. <laughs> it would have been devastating. So what are you guys' thoughts on the on the overall game and everything and how it went for them? Obviously, obviously how it went for them wasn't that great, but... Okay, so the difficult thing is this. I, I've, I, to be honest, I don't really have a lot of problems with how we approached the first leg, aside from the fact that Matias Laba didn't play. Yes. However, I have been told that... I've been told that the reason why he didn't play in the first leg 
as they were maybe going to include him is because he took a knock in the match on that Saturday, and that's why he didn't play on the Tuesday. Um, (laughs) Though at the home leg. Uh, So I wasn't wasn't surprised by the approach for the home leg. Uh, Obviously, we needed a clean sheet, and we didn't get that, and we were were lucky not to come away with two uh, goals conceded. But I was I was pretty much okay with the approach uh, and with the, with the result. Obviously, we, we won, so that was that was good. Um, would have longed for again to, there to be a clean sheet. Uh, great that Alfonso scored. Uh, you know, just exciting. Great that Nico scored. Also, was awesome. My biggest concern was the was the approach for the second leg. So as soon as you know, as soon as I heard from people about who was traveling and not traveling and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I was. I, I you you knew that we were not valuing the competition. Like we, you know, in my mind or the way I look at it is, we were not really respecting the competition. We did not really want to. We weren't going to extend too much effort to to advancing. And Montreal having the second leg at home, you knew that they were going to play a much stronger lineup, and they did. And in my mind. It, they showed that they valued the competition, that, that they wanted they wanted to win. Now, the one thing I'll say, so that was extremely frustrating, and 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 that's not sorry, and I say that in nothing against the players who played in either of the legs for us. I I love them. I I want them to do well. Um, I, again, I thought they did pretty well in the first leg, and the second leg there was you know they made they made it a tie. We lost by literally one goal, and the fight back was nice. Uh, you know, happy that you know. Kyle, Kyle Gregg scored, you know, is great. Alfonso scored again. Um, you know, man, so, some remember, positives. Some po- though, totally, yeah. some yeah. positives. However, the approach really, really frustrated me. However, what I think, as I've thought about it a little more this week, what I think this shows is it shows a little bit about where the cl- where the football club is at and kind of what they've accepted. And by that, what I mean is this, is – I. Oh, I think you have an opportunity to to educate and to show and to prove what is important to you as a football club. So if the Voyager's Cup is important, you you go out of your way to make sure you do well and you and and, and stuff. And we we've seen this in the past. We've seen the we've seen the front office try and educate people in their videos and in their their articles and I think they've done an, an at least a respectable job in that sense. And we've seen it in virtually, I think, every year of this competition. You know, you look last year. We went to Ottawa. We played guys who hadn't been playing. We lost 2-0. We came home. We strengthened the side. We won 3-0, 1-3. Yeah. We, so we've seen it at Edmonton. You know, 1-1 Edmonton here, which was shocking, right? Gersh scored late. Went to Edmonton. It took Matias Laba a late goal in extra time or whatever. Yeah. Uh, you know, to go through. We, we've seen, we, we, we've seen all, all those. The crazy of, results, like yeah. unexpected stuff. H- however... I, what I think this shows is that when what most people would know or most people this is all people care about is that the only thing that really matters to this to this football club because this is tied to attendance it's a tied to it's tied to revenue the only thing that matters is qualifying for the MLS playoffs yeah. the supporter shield doesn't matter the Cascadia Cup doesn't really matter at except, this point for except that. for it's tied to you know getting into the playoffs uh, or hopefully is. Um, the, the Voyager's Cup is not that huge of a deal because look what happened in the Champions League this year. We played Dead Bull. Yeah, Dead Bull, New York. And well, how many did we get? See, what was the attendance? 15,000? 14,000? Like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's all we got for a quarterfinal against them. 
Then we played what some people would say is the best team we will ever play in a competitive match. Yet they and, lost. Yeah. And when we got 16,000, was it 17,000? So, and a lot of the fans from Mexico. Well, yeah. Oh, Mexico or Mexico origins. There, well, yeah. there was only like, well. So I think they have said. But if you, if you take those away, then you're down to like 14, yeah. 15 again. Yeah, there you go. It looks a little So worse. I think what they've said in one sense is, okay, people here. The most important thing is getting the playoffs. That's what's going to help us progress as a club in their mind. Yeah. And so, therefore, uh, therefore, using uh, having a stronger side in that second leg and potentially having a tired or a weakened side against Atlanta was was not was not worth it, right? And you, and if you think about it from Robbo's perspective too, two years in a row missing the playoffs is probably not a good thing in terms of job security. No matter how long you've your extension is for, yeah. or whatever. Well, the extensions there are going to be options all over. The right. Place, yeah. So, I, I, you know, so it's it's that, and to me, well, I think an important thing here is that has changed. I think the mentality has changed with this Champions League run. Is that or with the, what they saw with this Champions League run? Yes, they want that. I, I think if you ask them all, they'll say, "Yeah, we want to win the Voyagers Cup. We want to get into the Champions League. We want to we want to go further next time in the Champions League. We want to get to the final. We want to win it. All that kind of stuff." They'll say all the right things. But we're not showing that in, in, in what we're putting on the pitch. And so it's, it, that's frustrating in one sense, but it also kind of just shows where the football community as, is at here. They, they haven't got enough people to – I was going to use the term buy-in, which is a term I hate, but they haven't got enough people to, to show that they care about it for them to go out of their way to, to care for it. One, job security for the coaching staff, and two, I think, for the, for the club in terms of revenue. The yeah. biggest thing is revenue for them. Is making the playoffs to get more sure. revenue, and but I think the my, my biggest issue with this was the the fact that um, again Laba he didn't play against uh, DC. Um, he could have he could have played two games in a week, um, especially with two weeks off. After. Yeah, and Monte. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing with the two weeks off. Like the, the, they always say, oh, you got to rest the players and rest the players. Two week break in, in residency. Okay. When they go on those trips to California, they play two games in two days yeah, but, in the heat. Yeah, but that's like the USL back in the day. I understand not, that, but the, but but what I'm saying is if they can do it, you could play two games in one week without getting overly tired. Like these guys are supposed to be top athletes. Getting your thoughts on that? Yeah, I will say this. It, it's Either way, it's a tough situation for Carl Robinson. Um, you, you play a strong side in, in Montreal, the second leg. You play a weaker side at home. You get criticized no matter the result just because of the entertainment factor, all that. I, I don't... You say I'm going to say this. I don't buy into that because either way, you know, it's going to be you're going to have to prioritize MLS Cup and and uh, the Voyagers Cup, and we have prioritized one or the other in the past, and it has come back at the end of the season to to bite us sooner end. So I will say that um, I would prefer right now with the way the things are going the past couple of years to have success in the playoffs. But as well, um, Voyagers Cup is nice. But I will say this: that we, I would like to. So I do better in the playoffs. The only problem with that is the playoffs is totally a, 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 a crapshoot. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. The teams that have finished bottom of the Western Conference yes. have gotten the last two times. And, it's and all the other thing is, is for Canadian teams, MLS Cup doesn't give you anything. Yeah, no so, Champions League berth. Like American, that goes only to American teams. At that so two point. more, two more points, Steve. One, one, of the, one other way in which we've seen how this has changed in the culture, Martin Rennie's contract would have automatically been extended had we beat Montreal in 2013 in the Voyagers Cup. Right? Because so, at that time they wanted to win it. They right, wanted to win one right. at least. Exactly. So we he, it doesn't get extended. And let's put it this way. Shortly thereafter, the, the, the coaches knew that their time was coming to an end. 
<laughs> okay, and then and then he was and then he was gone because he didn't make the playoffs. Also, um, the other thing I the, the other thing I wanted to say was that um, oh yeah, Rennie. What was the other thing? Now I'm losing my mind. Well, let's get the, take a th- chance to think about that. How about the fact that without the Champions League, um, they're not going to have as much money to be playing with next year. And will that yeah. will that affect the team where they may have to make some cuts and maybe be uh, – like they don't spend that much, but that's only – they don't spend to the other people's levels because they don't pay for those DP salaries right. yeah. and transfer fees. But they still – Spend a lot of money on the players, so, so we, salary cap wise. So before we're talking about the allocation, I remember the other thing is yeah. we were talking about the playoffs, right? It's all about getting to the playoffs. So what have we learned these last two years, especially? It's all about being in form at that time. Yes. Yeah. So when you look at it, is winning the is having the beginning of your season focused on winning the Voyagers Cup really a bad thing? If the important thing is to make sure you're in form and pass the red line in the last three months of the seasons, when the la- like not only not only the Seattle and the Portland have done it. But look at the classic L.A. Who cares? Bruce Arena. Who cares that we do in what we're doing in April and May? It's as long as we're in form in August, you know, August, September, October. That's all that matters, right? Yeah. So that's one of the things that I think does not work with the whole. It's not that important. Well, we. Ha- I think from what I can remember, we have done that before. We've we've won the cup, and then later in the season, I don't know, it just burned out, or I don't know what it was, but we didn't have success as well. But that's what I think is that it, it can go either way for Robinson. It's always tough for him this time of year with. With uh, games and and different things going on. So, getting back to what you were saying before, Steve, this is going to be really interesting to see how this impacts um, squad squad building. Yeah. Um, so I know they're now pe- if they advance in the playoffs, they get money for that. Yeah. So they will they can make it up by advancing the playoffs. Right. right? But like you said, it's a crapshoot at this but, point. But you, from what we understand, you get um, you get uh, allocation money for of one form or another for. Making the Champions League, you get more in the past when you make to the knockout stage. Now, obviously, things have changed, so I don't, we don't know how those amounts are going to be al- uh, amalgamated or changed or and altered. And we'll never know. And we'll never know. <laughs> and that's the other thing. There are people who spend a lot of time and effort into crunching the numbers on all this. The crazy thing is, though, that allocation money in the past, unless they've changed it, has expiry dates, right? And it's not all just one season expiry dates, right? Yeah. So I know there's lots of people who spend a lot of time trying to be capologists out there and that's you know if you love doing that do that, but you you're, you're it's like tr- it's like it's like trying to do a puzzle and yeah. you don't know how many pieces are in the no. puzzle and you don't you know you only know part of what the picture looks like. Like I I love following the cap and other sports like um, uh, hockey and football they give you information. You have all the information you need. Right. With MLS you don't have no. so it's a lot of guessing of what what is how these things fit into where they fit in. Much easier in other sports, yeah. for sure. And yeah, people like, like when I see people get, uh, putting together caps and how far they do this, I did it and I just showed like the, the range of players, right? When I did a graph there. But people trying to figure out how much they can spend and how yeah. you can't. People, it's yeah. impossible. And people yeah. claiming they know explicitly? No. 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 Nobody does. Especially, unless it's uh, probably maybe four people in each organization that knows explicitly like every single detail of what's going on, right? And and, yeah. and yeah, I, I think in some MLS teams, even the coaches might not know exactly what they have to find out if they can do something before they can do it. Oh, definitely in some clubs for sure. Another thing that's going to be affected by uh, uh, lack of Champions League games um, or and even the Voyagers Cup games is playing time for younger players. We saw a lot of younger players do well. Um, this time around, 
Um, but they obviously they're going to be going to FDFC too, and some will be going on loan as well. So we t- uh, Michael talked to Robbo and asked him about loaning out players. Uh, one player was rumored to be loaned out, Marco Bustos, yeah. and Robbo mentions him too. So uh, we'll play that quick clip, and then we'll come back and discuss that. In the last couple of seasons, you've kind of used Canadian Championship and Champions League to kind of blood or give minutes to the, the fringe guys, the younger players. You're not going to have that now for the rest of this season or start of next year. How do you get these guys ready to come in when they needed an MLS? Yeah, it's a good question. It is a real good question. They're going to have to play in the USL. I'm going to look at loaning a number of these guys out. I think they need competitive games. I think... The USL is a great platform for, for my young players to play, but I also believe that some players, when they go down, um, feel that they probably don't want to be there, and I don't want that to, to ever be created at this football club. So uh, maybe the, the gap in between is a, is a loan opportunity for someone, whether it's a, a different country or a different league. So there'll be three or four guys that I look to maybe get loan experience um, for six months. Is Bustos a candidate for one of those loans? Have you asked him? Yeah, no, he is. He, he will be. Boosty needs to play. Um, you know, Boosty's played you know, minimal minutes in the two uh, Canadian Championship games for me, but he needs to play. You know, and with with the amount of players that I've got here, uh, he's still a big part of this football club. Uh, but he does need to go and play now because otherwise he'll get frustrated. And I don't want him to get frustrated because he is a, a super young talent. So he will be one of them. So that was Robbo talking about uh, the players getting loaned out, including Marco Bustos. Oh, sorry about that. Uh, so that was uh, Robbo talking about the players we getting loaned out, including Marco Bustos. What do you guys think, uh, Gideon? Who do you think uh, from like seeing all the young guys? Like he, they mentioned Marco Bustos, a guy like maybe Ben McKendry might get a, a chance to get loaned out. Obviously, Debbie Flores. We don't know if he's loaned out or still here. Or what's Where going is he? On? Okay, no. Okay, yeah. so Debbie Flores from the the, the roster thing is on loan. Spent some time in Vancouver too. He's oh yeah, he's here. He was at the WFC two game. I think it's probably not too crazy to presume he's on loan with WFC two. But it's also probably not too crazy to think that that might not always be the case. There might be other options for him. Yeah, from the rumors I've heard, is Bustos to University de Chile. Uh, I'm not sure about that. Again, like Bustos, I would like him to go and play competitive minutes somewhere, whether that's. It, it's, yeah. it seems like he's bored in WFC too. Every yeah. time I see he scores a goal, he doesn't seem to care. It's I don't know if he's trying yeah. to just play it cool. We were talking about that on the way here. Yeah, yeah he so. seems either he's trying. It's not even this year. It's last year too. He's, he's either he wants to play just play it cool like he's always been there, or but he used to celebrate a lot during residency during the U18 games and when he first uh, was uh, joined WFC two. But it's kind of like simmered down. I don't know if they told him that or not. What's going on? Well, it's. I love I love Marco. Like it's been great to see him like grow up as a footballer and as a young man. And like he, yeah, he is he has so many gifts. Like, you know, you you watched him, Steve, yeah. so much over the years. I've, I I watched his opening game in residency at the U sixteen. Right. So it is it is a bit it is a bit frustrating, disappointing. I, I'm not I'm not sure. Maybe a combination of the two to see. To see him like that, yeah, like they yeah. scored that penalty, like, like in in. Uh... Even when he scores a spectacular goal, it's like no no <laughs> right. reaction at all. Yeah. But the, I think it was a penalty against uh, a UBC a week or two ago. Well, he scored today too, and he scored a good day. Yeah. I, I didn't really see his reaction to yeah. it, but same. Was it the same? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's unfortunate. So yeah, I, I, because to me, the only thing is it might be an indication of like this is below me. 
And that's the only concerning thing. Like, I, yeah, he doesn't have to go jump and kick the corner flag and whatever. Yeah. But it would be nice to see a little bit more motion and yeah. a little bit more. It's not even the celebration. It would, be, and I think lots of people are saying this. I think it would be nice to see him go out and dominate those games. Yeah. Because when when we used to watch U18, even against the top U18s, he would go out and dominate. Yes. Like he wouldn't just like oh pop up and score a goal or take a PK. He would like control the game. The other team would have to like readjust their game to deal with him because he was like just taking it to them, right? Like, and I think he plays well right now too at this level, like at WFC two. I think he plays really well, and I think in the few times we've seen him at MLS, especially in preseason, when he's played centrally, he's done really well. People yeah. have mentioned that he's done really well. It's when they put him out wide that he doesn't do as great, and then everybody criticizes him. And but that's not his natural position. He's never played out wide before, right? And I don't think he should be playing out wide personally. But I, I uh, there, there also has to be he, he's got to fight, right? Like yeah. this is not nothing's nothing's for, you know nothing can be taken for granted, and you need to have that never say die. I'm going to do everything I can mentality. And I'm not saying he doesn't, but that's what you need to have when you're in that. You need to fight for your place in the team. Yeah. Every training session, you need to – the effort you put in, the staying behind, the being early, all those – like you need to be like proving – you need to prove yourself, right? Yeah. And he's at that stage. And we've talked about this before. We have players who come through in an age group. They're amazing. Uh, and maybe WC2, they, 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 they put in a performance or a shift or whatever, but they can't make that – quite that leap yeah the next step basically and then and then i think they get discouraged and they don't know what they don't know what to do we've seen this with lots of guys right and some of them are making it in other places or seem like they're making it in other places and others we don't even know where they are yeah they've fallen off the map the footballing map so i uh, for marco i he is so gifted and so talented i he needs to play football wherever that is he needs but if that's if that's more WC2 with a little bit more of a goal of dominating those games, like imposing himself on those games, or if it's on loan somewhere. And, yeah, everyone's read the tweets about, you know, Chile is an option, which makes sense because, obviously, uh, his heritage. His parents are potatoes. Right. That's a, just Go- a, Google Translate. That's Google Translate, <laughs> Steve Steve's Google Translate reading from a week ago. Um Oh, and I've heard other other places might be might might be an option as well, but we'll yeah. see how everything kind of kind of kind of shakes down. And I, I would hope he can go. I mean, you look at big clubs. Big clubs utilize utilize loan deals very well. Yeah. So the, probably one of the greatest examples of this, if you of a footballer I know, like a world class footballer, is Philippe Lom. When Philippe Lom was a kid, I saw him play at Bayern as a kid, like some friendlies at the end of a season. What did they do? They didn't keep him when he was like 18 or 19 and not going to play and just sit on the bench or whatever. No, they sent him to Stuttgart on like a year and a half or two year long loan where he was going to play every game. And that's where his development from being this, you know, Bavarian kid who grew up in the Bayern system and was trained in their ways, then went out and was able to go and do that in the top flight and get the minutes, get the time, hone his skills, came back and... You know, his, you know, it, it, it happens in other, in other sports too. Like you guys probably don't want to hear this, but in wrestling, well, um, in Japanese oh. wrestling, what they do is they, they train the guys and then they send them out to other parts of the uh, world to learn different styles of play or different wrestling moves and everything like that. So, and then they come back and then they become the stars. That Wait, are, are you talking wrestling or MMA? Wrestling. Okay. Professional wrestling. 
Not that you, stuff in cages. And you, uh, <laughs> you can't, you can't see this. Obviously, you should have seen the smile on Steve's face when he said, "Professional wrestling." Yes, professional <laughs> wrestling. Um, so, uh, getting your thoughts on loan deals and what what you expect to see. Yeah, I don't know. For t- it's tough for me because I know before, um, arguably, you know, Bustos was behind Morales. Um, uh, before, or when, I should say, before he left, Bustos was behind Morales and he wasn't playing much minutes and and now that Morales is gone that number the 10 spot is opened up um and I don't know if if he realizes that that he he should take it he's a good enough player and smart enough guy to know that but I just don't know right now you know it's kind of like a Kian's throw situation I don't want to jinx anything but for right now that um for me I think yeah I think he should go to a to a big club like you mentioned Zach and and just do well, and a coach that knows the game as well as knows him that he should just go there and 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 do do his it, thing. It can't be too big so that he doesn't play, though, right? That's yeah. Like it's no, got to find the right balance. Yeah, yeah. is you know the long illustration. Like, the long illustration. He was good, and they weren't just saying, "Oh, you, you, we'll do this as part of the deal." He was good enough to can, play, right? Can he go to FC Edmonton or no? They can. Yeah, you can. He can, but you I don't know. I don't think that's a good. Enough, that's similar to any USL. That's let's, kind of let's get him on some grass. That's a sideways. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's another thing. Um, no, so a couple other the grass. You mean by playing surface? Yes, playing surface. Let's not. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> let's not send him to Colorado. Right? Yes. Um, no, so um, there's a few other players we, we could talk about. This I, I is we can only loan so many players to WC two, right? Uh, one per season. Oh and yeah, then, to, like you can lo- you can send people no, for short term, but season long loan. Season long is just one. Okay. Or, yeah, I thought Richie was already on. Season. I think he is. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not sure. Okay, so we'll never know. So yeah, this, and then there are other guys like Ben McKendry. Um, uh, who else is in there? Uh, Marco, Levi. who we talked about. No, he's not going to go on loan. That's <laughs> no, he's not going to loan. But yeah. No, he's, there's no way he's going on loan. Not until he we, recovers. We need, we need cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, update, update on him. He's not. He's like kicking a ball. Things are yeah. going well, but he's July is still yeah. is still his kind of return date. He's not going to go anywhere because he's going to be cover for cover for Jordan Harvey. Unless or, Sam comes uh, back, then you can send him. Oh, no, well, that's other, that's, that's, the, that's that. the other player, yeah. right? Yeah. He's not fit yet, from what we understand, to fit enough to be in the in the eighteen. Yeah, that's why he's not on the roster yet because. He's not ready to be, yeah. but he is another player who I think we can all see being loaned out again. To I think either Champions League or League One, one of the two. I think you mean Championship, Le- Championship, sorry, Champions Championship League. or we League One. Yeah, and um, uh, <laughs> because I think I think with uh, his time, in, I think it was Bristol. Um, no, Brighton, 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 Brighton. Sorry, yeah, Brighton. Um, he didn't get as much playing time, so maybe one league lower, and maybe he gets even more playing time at that point. He did do well though when he when he, he did, yeah, in, in the, heard, in the yeah. cup games. I think he really did yeah, well, but unfortunate injury. Yeah, so he's another one. I think that is a possibility for a loan. I think they need to send Paulo Tornagi somewhere because Spencer Richie should be starting. <laughs> I think the backup, sorry, so, the, coming off the bench. So if they recall him, can they send somebody else? So that's yeah, the in- that's the thing I'm not sure about. So yeah. and that's the interesting thing is in terms of because it it very much appears that- for MLS they can only do emergency loan. That's why they were able to call him up for Ousted's uh, red card, and they right. were able to call him up. But otherwise, they, they they can't bring him in and then put him behind. That's why Tornagi's always on the bench, even right. though Richie is doing really well. Yeah. So, but that's going to be interesting because obviously they've communicated either actually sat down and have a conversation with Paulo, yeah. or by how they're who's played and all that kind of stuff. They've communicated to him that he is no longer the the second keeper, and so it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that and how that plays out. But I think something could play out with that, even you know, even in this season, but definitely by the end of the season. 
Yeah, for sure. And we'll look into that and see how that all breaks down. It's probably going to be the summer uh, transfer window where we see... Uh, the loans obviously can happen anytime, but the summer transfer window, we'll see where all the other rosters stuff happens and anybody comes in or leaves. Uh, we're going to come back and talk more about the kind of... They're not a midway season. They're not even a th- uh, third or whatever. But we're going to th- kind of, because they're in an international break, we're going to come back and talk about the cap season so far, um, uh, some off-the-pitch stuff that happened this week uh, right after these messages. Welcome back. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM and online at CITR.ca from the University of British Columbia on the unceded Musqueam Territory. Now, coming back, uh, guys, like I said, we're not, uh, it's hard to say this is a a mid-season recap, but they're on international break. They have a break this week, uh, next week, sorry. Um, What are you guys' thoughts on this overall cap season so far? Um, obviously we talked about the Voyagers Cup exit, but this overall season, uh, did you expect them to be where they are right now or did you, are they exceeding expectations? Are they meeting? Where do you see them going? It's, uh, yeah, I think in the, in the league, there's been a a number of highs, I think, and highs that we wouldn't expected, like, you know, two out of four wins on that, that road trip. And, um, I, I think though one of the things that's frustrating is is how those how the two comp competitions have impacted the, yeah. the league season, because the focus has been the focus was on the Champions League, and then the focus was not on the league and not on the Voyagers Cup. And the really frustrating thing was, and we talked about this at the time a little bit, but the real frustrating thing was if the focus was on the Champions League, we should have done more to get some league games moved. Because that impacted the the league campaign, so we saw Dallas got it done. I don't know what that means. I don't know how much money they had to pay, or who they had to pay, or what they had to pay, or why they had to pay. But Dallas got it done. We've seen other teams in previous seasons get it done, but we didn't for whatever reason. Whether it's financial, whether it's logistical, whether it's a combination of the two, or other things. So that was kind of frustrating because they they did make the Champions League a priority, which was great, but at least one, if not two matches, should have been moved so that we could have tried to even do even more, especially against against Tigres. So the San Jose game, obviously, San Jose away should should have been moved. Well, you know, it's tough to say. I'll say this first that I know like you say, Dallas did get their game moved. I know the game was in San Jose and the game was in Mexico. I know that's a, a long distance, but you know, I don't know where Dallas's game that was that weekend that got moved, but San Jose is closer to Mexico than say like, I don't know where else in, in, in MLS that would be, um, that would be closer. Um, but I just think it, it, it was okay that they had it in San Jose and then they went to Mexico. But for for me, anyways, I was it was okay that they didn't move it, but I I know I know you have disagreements, Zach, and I'm just gonna say for 
overall grade of the season for right now for what they did in the off season i think they're doing okay um i, I like the moves they made in abini um i think he's going to be interesting player not sure what he's going to look like now but i'm interested in and looking forward to seeing him in the 11 if he does get in with the way the team's playing right now yeah I, so then you go to the voyagers cup though and look montreal again i don't know if it was how they requested their scheduling but they didn't have a game this weekend, right? And yeah. that, that greatly helped them. That helped them focus on this, make the second leg the priority. They had a full week, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. totally. So, uh, so scheduling with MLS is weird. Obviously, you have all these stadium things. You have U2 wants to use your ground as their jam Preparation. Session. Basically, yeah, preparation yeah. set up. Uh, yeah. the, the, I understand there are difficult realities you have to deal with. However, we know that, you know – we know that the 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 front office has an ability to request things with scheduling and to fight for things, right? Like Greg Greg Kerfoot, the owner, is on you, is a part of the board. Like as an yeah. owner, is the majority owner is a part of the MLS board, and he speaks up on certain. We've heard in the past about him speaking up on certain things, or the Whitecaps organization speaking up on certain things. It's, you it, you can fight for it, but if it, they're not going to give it to you, they're not going to give it to you. There's nothing you do at that point. And we're not, no, we but, won't know what they can give and what they can. But we know that they've moved – not just this year. We yeah. know in previous years they've moved matches for clubs yeah. because of Champions League. Yeah. We should have done that. And if and as Michael, I think, said at the time, if not, if not for our betterment in the Champions League, then for the betterment of our league campaign yeah. so that we don't – those games don't suffer, exactly. right? Yeah, no, I so, totally agree with you there. So, for example, Philadelphia was an awful game coming out after the, the Tuesday, yeah. I think, in, in, in New Mexico. Jersey. Oh, in New Jersey. Right? Yeah, that's right. That's it, right was, yeah. it was an awful game. Yeah. I know it's opening weekend, whatever. Could we not have moved? Could we not have maybe moved that game? Yeah. San Jose, I know it's on the way. Yeah. I know it's... we got a charter out of it. I don't know if that was a financial thing, too. No, like I they, th- they I... paid for a charter. I don't know how that worked. I don't know what went on. But that to me was that's not good enough. Like that that like that that game needed to be moved. Like I, I saw this week, sorry, that uh Mary Sorovde did respond to somebody and say that each MLS team is allotted one charter flight per season to their choice. So Yeah, and, that, and Atlanta's choice was to Vancouver. Yeah. They chartered here and yeah. they so did, I, so did Kansas City. When I got to when I got to the uh dressing room, uh because uh, the thing is about Atlanta, they traveled to Seattle this year, they traveled to Portland. And here, wow. Uh, uh, pardon? And here? Yeah. And here. Yeah. all three. Three, and then oh. RSL as well. And now, uh, for the rest of the season, I didn't know about this when I was asking questions to the players. Uh, their furthest travel is uh, Kansas City. They're not going to come west of Kansas City for the rest of the year. So, and they don't have to, I don't think they even have to come up to Canada or anything. So, basically, New, New York and well, Kansas have, City. They have to play Montreal and Toronto, though. No, I think they, they've, they've, already, already played they've already played Montreal and Toronto once. Yes. So. Away? Yeah, uh, I believe so. Yeah, they have. Yeah, sure yeah they did very well. They've done it. So very they've well. they've already done oh, a yeah, lot the of their road trips. A lot of long, a lot of their long road trips have already been taken care oh, of. And the year. Montreal. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, 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 they played very well against those guys. So. Yeah. So um, they they when I went down to the dressing room, they had their tickets for the charter all laid out. They were slapping uh, the uh, luggage tags on the, like the actual luggage tags that the attendants put on. They were on the luggage and they were just shipping it out. Nice. They were had like half an hour to get out of there. That's so nice for them. Um, but no, it's like stuff should have stuff should have been done. Like yeah, we 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 lost points in the table that we didn't need to lose. Yeah, especially so so if you season. don't care about Champions League and you care about the league, you care about the playoffs. Yeah, 
we lost points we should not have lost. Or, yeah. we, or we, we, we were you know fighting with like one arm behind our back. But the thing is, the one thing that uh, um, exceed the one thing that exceeded my expectations. I thought they were going to be around the fifth, sixth spot right now at this point, especially when uh, uh, Reina got injured early in the year. I thought that was going to really going to hamper them yeah. uh, pushing up. But the change in formation, I thought, was the big. Totally. Turnaround for me and and surprising and that exceeded my expectations because I never and that's only expected like, them to change anything like and that. And that's only the last five six games. Right? Yeah, since uh, I think RS no RSL was a different. That was a three man. Yeah, that was, yeah, it was three, an RSL. That was a different fun change. Yeah. The, <laughs> then after that, I, uh, I think Portland was the first one, wasn't it? Or, or Seattle home? Maybe I'm not sure. I can't remember now. I think it was. It seems so long ago. Away. Yeah, it was Portland because that was a stretch of the the okay. consecutive game. Yeah, yeah. So th- th- that was that was the one thing that exceeded my expectations. Robinson de- deserves a lot of credit for that, though, more than people think, just because of the way he's put that team out, the right team <laughs> out. Yeah. And, th- and the thing is, they're they're banging in goals from a lot of different people. Yeah, and it's not it's just not, it's yeah. not just Mont- they don't have to rely. On, they got a Montero on a few goals at the beginning of the year, and I know he he slumped and he kind of broke that slump with uh, Timmy Parker's goal. Um, <laughs> but uh, he, uh, I think. I think that he you don't need if you don't need to rely on the one guy, and other guys can contribute like Tichera, Bolaños, um, uh, Jacobson against Montreal. That was a huge goal. So I think if you don't have to rely on, them, then you're really good. Another guy who will come into the lineup and hopefully take pressure off everybody and score some goals is Bernie Abini. Um, he's from Australia. He'd been around kind of. I think he was in Belgium for a bit. Yeah. Um, uh, China bought him or something. No, China bought him first. He came back to Australia, went to Belgium, came back to Australia. Now he's with Vancouver. Hopefully he sticks around here in Vancouver for a bit. And um, Michael had a chance to talk to him. Um, so we'll play that now, and then we'll talk a little bit about him. You've been here for a couple of weeks now, Bernie. How have how have you found Vancouver compared to what you're used to over in Australia? To be fair, I found it very similar. Um, the weather hasn't been as good, <laughs> that's for sure. But um, yeah, I found it very similar. It's like a very beautiful city, and I can't wait to get to know it even more. So, looking forward to that. Now, the move to MLS. I know you kind of touched upon this when you first came here, but. What, what was behind your thinking of it? To, to, to leave the A-League, and you've been with Bruges as well, what, what was it about Major League Soccer that really tempted you to, to come and have a shot here? Um, well, I think I just wanted to have like a different experience. And um, yeah, obviously, Major League Soccer is something that uh, is um, it's a pretty good league. I've watched it um, back home in Australia on TV and stuff like that. So it was something I think I could come here and uh, try and improve and um, become a better player. Now you, you started your career in the A League and then you you went to to Belgium. How did that move come about with Bruges? When when did they first start to show interest in you? Well, I went over for a trial. I think when I was about twenty, and um, so I went over there. To be fair, it was a very short trial. I think I was only there for seven days because it was during the season. So um, I think from then on they sort of kept tabs. And then I think yeah, when I turned uh, I think it was twenty two, then they um. Yeah, it said they wanted to sign me, and then uh, yeah, that's when I, that's how it came about, and that's how I went over there. 
And how, how did you find playing over there at that level? I mean, the Belgium league, it's not one of the top leagues, but it's a really strong league in Europe. Did, did you enjoy your time there? Yeah, I enjoyed my time, but obviously it was a bit tough for me because I, I got injured after two weeks over there. So, I'd, um, yeah, I only spent like two weeks actually on the pitch and then after that it was all like like surgery and all that sort of stuff. So I enjoyed my time there, but obviously like in terms of actually playing, it was a bit tough because I was, I was injured. And then you went back to the A-League and then the team had a really good year this year. How disappointing was it for you to miss out on that grand final? Oh yeah, of course, like that's the it's the biggest game of the season, so to miss out on playing that um was obviously very disappointing, but uh we got the job done and I was very happy and to be a part of a winning team that's what you always you always want to do and um it was such a successful season and I know I did my part when I could and I was so happy that the boys got the job done and that we were able to win the championship. And a lot of folk here maybe don't know too much about the A-League, but there's a lot of similarities, I think, between the A-League and, and MLS, just in how it's structured and things like that. How did you find the quality and the, and the level? And how, how good do you think Australian soccer is right now? Um, I think, yeah, the, the level's pretty good. It can, uh, I think it's definitely a league that's growing a lot as well, but um, I think the level is definitely pretty good, and you can see there's a lot of players that do go from the A-League to like places in Europe and stuff like that so I think it's a league that is still growing there's obviously only 10 teams so I think um, once they can bring some more teams in I think it will get even bigger and you've played internationally for Australia at youth level also a couple of senior caps as well it's the hope that if you come here and you do well here that you'll kind of put yourself back in the, the international frame oh uh, yeah for sure I'd definitely like to do that um if you ask any player that, to play for their national team, it's such an honour. So, yeah, if I could get um, come here and start playing well and get minutes into my legs, and then, yeah, if that was to happen, I for sure would be very happy with that. Now, you came here with, with that injury of the hamstring. You look pretty good out there now, though. Are you pretty much good to go? Um, I would say uh, there's still a little bit left, I think, because um, I just started like joining with the team fully now, but um, I would definitely like to... Uh, join with the team a bit more and then also get a bit more training like sessions under my belt before I would actually play because obviously being out for it's not a long time but being out for a bit your sharpness and stuff like that isn't really there and coming off the back of a season as well so the body is still like getting used to training again as well so um, I think I'll definitely like at least one or two weeks with training with the team and then uh, whenever the the staff are ready then I'll be happy to play. Gonna ask you actually about that you've come from a full season it's always hard because we've had players before that we, we've signed them in the summer and they're coming off a full season and they've never had any rest. Is this kind of like a rest for you now to, to get you up to speed? Or how hard is it going from one full season to then come into another league that's like mid-season? Yeah, it's definitely very difficult. Um, I think even maybe if I wasn't injured, maybe it would have been a bit easier. But seeing that I was injured, now I'm like almost doing a pre-season again. So, and like pre-season is always very tough. So it's... Um, it's it's difficult, but um, it's something I'm looking forward to. I'm young and I'm fit and strong, so um, I think I can handle it. And you're known as a winger, but you can also play a striker as well. Robo's kind of mentioned he probably sees you as a winger, but also maybe helping Freddie Montero out as a striker or whatever. Where do you feel most comfortable playing or any of the attacking positions you find with that? Um, well, yeah, generally I've played as a winger my past couple of seasons, but yeah, even when I started professionally, I was playing as a striker, so... I think um, 
Yeah, e- either or all is for me is fine, but um, I would say maybe winger is um, where I've played most of my time as a professional, but yeah, anywhere across the front line for me, I'm, I'm comfortable to play. That's great, thanks so much. Looking forward to seeing your pitch, and thanks so much. Welcome Thank to Vancouver. Cheers. Thanks, Bernie. That was Bernie Beanie talking to Michael about his chances and how he feels. Um, he said he still has a little bit to go with the injury. Um, I think they just want to be cautious because you you, with hamstring injuries, if you come too quickly, you can re-injure it very fast. Very easily. First off, it's nice to have some Michael's music on the show. Um, typical Watson Matilda in a punk? Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it, it's... Uh, he's a, Bernie's a, an interesting player, you know, watching you know the clips and hearing a little bit about him and listening to Robo talk about him and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, we, we were talking while the, the interview was going on there about the, the interesting thing about both Bernie and, and, and Jordy coming, Jordy, re, you know, returning to the team is how are they going to fit in with this formation? How are they going to fit it? How are we going to fit this whole puzzle kind of together? Because I don't, for me anyways, and Steve, maybe you see this differently. I don't, I don't see really either of them fitting in with how we're playing right now especially especially Jordy like Jordy to me requires us a change to back to 4-2-3-1 and and you have a player who's a little less defensively inclined which has been one of our strongest things in this last stretch of games is being so strong in the middle of the park um that, that's going to be really really interesting I think Bernie could play wide or he, he could play up front if Shea can play up front then I think Bernie can play right up front. It, yeah Shea, Shea and a Bernie feel a little bit similar. One's left-footed, yeah. one's right-footed, from what I understand. Yeah. So, yeah, he could play on either either wing and or, I guess, up front. The thing is about Reyna, it might not have worked if he was just, like, it, it, he was playing and he did just change. But maybe because he's sitting and watching this, maybe he's picking up things. And obviously they're talking to him a lot about the, how they want the system to play. Maybe he can fit in and if he buys in and everything. So I think it's possible. What? Getting your thoughts on yeah, it? Yeah, I, I don't right now. I don't know the way Jordy. I'm sure you were there firsthand. You saw how he was in preseason. He looked oh, always yeah. fantastic. Oh, man. Yeah, so that maybe was, they switched it back to four two three one. Yeah, that was before a lot of a lot of things happened for the season. The formation changed, the personnel changed, the injuries. So it'll be very interesting to see where Jordy and, and Bernie come in. And I would be okay with that. But it, it, I know Steve, you were saying, oh, they can just swap them out for Chani, for example. To, like to me, it, it'll it'll be a different feel, but. Uh, I I think the amount you lose going back, you might get more going forward. So I think it might be a trade off that way. Yeah, but he so far he feels a little bit too much like a luxury player, like a little bit a little bit like Davide, for example. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not going to say I haven't seen him play enough to say that he's you know not going to defend. Yeah. But that's my. That's and what I I'm worried Davide, about. I don't think Reina eats pasta like Davide does, so I don't think we have to worry about that. No, I don't. Mid-season being out of shape for him in that season. Right. <laughs> I'm missing your bandana this week. Oh, I know. I, where, I, where is it? It was in the wash. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was pressure week. washing today. Next so week, it got dirty. Next week for the 200th episode, we'll do it. All right. No, I mean, I mean. 
a new player into the side. I hope they kind of do what it seems like they're doing with Breck Shea right now, which is bringing him in slowly or gradually, yeah. not taking any chances, um, which it seems like they're they're more being a little bit more cautious with, and maybe that's just my perception, but it seems like because there's been so many injuries and stuff, they're 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 kind of being gentle with people, I guess. And and the thing is, like, like we were talking about formation, I, they could have gone to this four one four one because there was no other options. They just didn't have anybody to play the number ten, and nobody that wanted to. Like Bolanius was kind of iffy on playing number ten, and now if Reina comes back, maybe they are going to switch to a four two three back to four two three one. Although I don't know how they can because it's so successful. This four one four one. Yeah, but I don't think so because in those games they would make that adjustment. Yeah. Right? And they'd switch. They'd bring on, uh, for example, they'd bring on. They they take off Chani and they bring on Davies. Davies would go wide. Bolo would go middle, and it was the four two three one, right, or an augmented form of what they were playing previously in the game. But um, yeah, it, it's going to give them you know different looks and different opportunities. And I mean, the other thing is Breck. I mean, I mean, he only played ten minutes in this last game, and he he still had at least one chance that I can remember. And was in on some others and throwing his body around a little bit. Like if I mean Breck's been in some pretty good form in these last three or four games, right? That he's been playing, having cameos in. So it's the battle for places in training is going to be really, really interesting. Yeah, I was just gonna. Yeah, I, I right now I'm okay with with slowing Abini and, and Reina down just because I don't see any of them right now with the way to chair and Bolanos are playing out wide or even in the middle. Like say Chani or Jacobson, I don't see anyone fitting in there. But um, I, yeah, I'm not sure right now with the way things are going how they're going to fit in. But yeah, like I'm saying, cameo would be great for a while, just like Shay's doing right now. So uh, we come to the a lot of people's favorite part of the show. Um, it's wavelength, and I know a lot of you might have thought that no, we're not going to have wavelength. The Scottish guy's not here. <laughs> but at this, actually, this time I discovered a song. I was going down um, the rabbit hole of Spotify and just checking out songs. And I found a a few interesting ones um, uh, pertaining to football, Um, especially one that might you hear later on uh, that will get a lot of people laughing. Uh, But this one I found, it's by a group that uh, Michael has uh, played in the past, uh, the Vanilla Muffins. I think the song he played was uh, Football is a Drug or something like that. I can't remember the name of the title. I'm sure he's tweeting at us uh, right now as we speak. Uh, but uh, this one I found uh, was called Scarves and Fire. Um, so take a listen. Enjoy. This is Wavelength.
Dotless Scarves and Fire by Vanilla Muffins from Switzerland. I'm thinking that has a potential for a chant. That at least the chorus, and then at the end of the the, the chorus, everybody yells "Drago," because that's from they basically took Hearts on Fire from Rocky Four, uh, the training montage, and stuck put that song in there. I, I think there's potential there. What do you think? Maybe Swan Guardians would take it, not the Curva. Okay, I'm getting blank looks from him. <laughs> All I'll say, they're from Switzerland, so hopefully Hugh Bolanos listens to this. No relation to Cristiano, or to Christian, or his son Cristiano. Um, but uh, yeah, he's uh, he has an affinity for the Swiss. Yeah. Uh, another thing, maybe not a Swiss, but it was a miss this week, uh, was uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps marketing department tweeting out um, that took a lot of people, uh, uh, put a lot of people in rage, basically, a Twitter rage. Um, was that tweet about the Atlanta coming in, 27 goals in 60 minutes, come watch and play, and everything like that. Um, overall, first of all, I'll give you my thoughts. My, my thoughts, and I think, Zach, were similar on this, that um, it was fine to tweet that out, but they, they, they presented it in the wrong way. They could have easily done the know thy enemy, find out what we need to do to stop these guys and stuff like that. Um, uh, you, anything like that, like similar, like present Waston and Parker. This is what Waston and Parker are going to stop this week. This kind of attack. Yeah, I, I think I think Michael's article on on AFTN.ca kind of is pretty bang on in terms of it's like you have a marketing kind of person probably coming up with an idea like here's how we can or or ticketing person here's an idea of how we can encourage more people to come and be part of this game. We have this team that's scored a whole bunch of goals already this year. Let's get this, let's help this with ticket sales and whatever. But it feels like a lack of a footballing person to say, this is how you present that to a a football audience. And I know people's response to that will be, this was not for the current. It was for the casual. Yeah, it's not for the current football audience. It's for. But who's going to react to that? Hopefully the future football audience. But yeah, here's the thing though. If in a in a space like Twitter, to get good traction with these kinds of things, you need to have your core people uh, retweet it and and or positively comment about it, right? So or get it trending in a negative way, and then people see it, <laughs> right? So you so you you, you kind of they kind of shot themselves in the foot, really, and and it's unfortunate. And I know it's not the most significant thing in the world, and and people kind of reacted like maybe it was, but you wish we were able to to get it right. Gideon, what did you think when that all went down? Did, were you okay with it, or did it just rub you the wrong way, or yeah, were you in the middle? I I've watched. I'd say about half of Atlanta's games this year. I know what they're about. That's, you know, that's great that they've scored 27 goals and whatever, like they're showing it. But, you know what, it had the same feel. Like they did, I think they did something like that with New York a couple of years ago and they showed, oh, Lampard, whatever, right? Yeah. That's, it's just, it's not the right way to draw fans. You know, maybe they, they knew they didn't have the numbers. Like going to Twitter is not going to do that. That's why you advertise, hey, Montero's in a, a streak, try and see if you can break out of that. Or, hey, Parker and Waston, the best pairing in MLS. And so, like you said, answer that this weekend. That's, you don't, you know, you don't show the opponent doing their best. And you, and the yeah, thing is, yeah. the, the local hockey team, they do put ads in the paper sometimes. And they do, like, put a picture of the, uh, one player. Like, the top player on that team but, who comes in. But that's, like that. that's different, though. Yeah. But, but no, but that's, that's but, more getting to the casual fans. But, but that's also, if you re, I don't know if you remember this, but they've done that in the past. 
and the football supporters here criticized them then for doing that. Yeah, for marketing the guys who were coming. So just do it and just take so, the criticism so, at that point. So they. So this. It's not. That's the other thing about this. It yeah. wasn't like the first time, really. I mean, the yeah. first time, different form. But it was the same idea. Yeah, I think that what they need to do is they need to do the one the, when they were with break down the tactics. You know, especially in the first season when they would build break down the tactics of the opposing team. Yeah, with, and yeah. shows some of the goals they would score, kind of meld them together to make it more exciting and show it that they're kind of showing how these guys play. And so it's kind of like know thy enemy kind of thing. Was that like an article on the website? Which one was that? That was with uh, Peter Scheid and David. Yeah, Norman, they, when right? they yeah, did that yeah. the first year, they used to put videos out on YouTube oh, and they used yes, to break okay. it down teams yes. on the pitch and everything right, like right, that right. with the cones and stuff like the that. Con- uh, the cones. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think they did that a lot in the first year because they the, wanted. The, the cones weren't those preseason, though? Or pre match? No, uh, yeah. Was, yeah, it was away so games. That didn't did help that. sell tickets. That's the only thing. No, no, right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, obviously they need to work on uh, getting more communication between the two. Um, there's been other issues before the magazine and everything that came out, uh, the fanzine or whatever they want, however they want to promote that. So hopefully they get going on that. We'll talk, we can talk about that next week if you want. With the fanzine? Uh, yeah. I know, I know you have issues on that too, but, but that was last, I, I would, that's old news now. We can't talk about that. I would that tend now. to agree with Michael's article on that yeah. as well a little bit. So we're just going to go take some, our last uh, break and we'll come back and we'll have an open discussion. Some of your guys' tweets and we'll be right back. So we're back on the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM and online at CITR.ca from the University of British Columbia on the unceded Muscom Territory. Now, like we promised before the break, your guys' tweets. Zach, what do we got? Oh, we got quite a few tweets. It went kind of – I didn't expect that many tweets. There was quite a bit of discussion about a few of these things. Yeah. L- Unfortunately, probably most of these people are asleep right now. And they're only listening. Well, they listen the to the podcast yeah. for sure. Yeah. So, um, everybody's f- favorite scarf, um, caps <laughs> underscore scarf. Um, the white caps attendance has been down this year. Wonder why? Twenty two thousand three hundred thirty average last year. This year so far, twenty one thousand nine hundred forty. That's according to the scarf. So yeah. if, if something's wrong with that, I'm just uh, quoting that. Um, and then he later goes on to ask a little bit about that. So I'll just read these as well to give it some, some kind of context. Um, in addition to the attendance, he's also concerned about the arrival time of people. Um, well, I know one time was because of the SkyTrain issue. Yeah, right, that was last right, week. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, he asked why people aren't arriving earlier. He asked, you know, if gates are open 90 minutes before kickoff, would that help? No. Would, would well, help? last week, because maybe Champions League, people are getting from the bar to the game, too. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So there, there's – and I remember one time when they had to shut off the game in the middle um, uh, during a Champions League game. They had it on the big screen, and then they had to shut it off because it went into extra time and penalty kicks. Yeah. Let's and people just do, basically left the seats and went back into the thing. Yeah, th- let's, not, let's not talk about that. Yeah. I think I think overall I don't have a big issue with the um, the attendance right now. It it maybe it, I don't know if he's saying this time 
last year or was it for the whole year last year? Because it kind of fluctuates here and there, especially when um, you've had a winter like we've had, like a really cold, raining, and then you have a weekend where it's sunny and everything. The, the walk-up attendance might not be as great. And you walk-up attendance is sometimes one or 2,000 people or 3,000 people. Um, I'm, I'm saying day of game, not people that buy uh, the week before. So I think maybe that might have a little bit something to do with it. Uh, maybe the weird start times, like one week you got two thirty, one four thirty, one times seven. I don't know. What do you guys think? I don't know. Yeah, I think I think yeah, that's true. Like I don't like to use those kinds of things as excuses, even though it is. They're true. not excuses. They're reasons why. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There are reasons why. Yeah, because I do. I sometimes I hear from people. Um, I hear from people. Oh, so and so is not going to be at the game, or my. You know, I invited so and so, but they're not coming to the game because. Yeah, the weather is nice and nice, and they're going to do something else. Which yeah. is, I just can't comprehend that. But, um, but uh, the, thing, the thing is about soccer, the soccer games too is they're basically you're set for two hours. You have a two hour right. window. You don't have to worry about uh, overtime or anything like that. You don't, and you're basically set. And you come and you go. It's it's probably the quickest sporting event in in Vancouver. Yeah, to- totally. One one thing that's been one thing that is I'll say is in terms of the overall. Attendance, I think one of the things that's crazy is is the ticket prices. Like ticket prices are, I mean, for for me, season tickets are, are, are overpriced, and I know that they say that that's a, a, a you know that's our community and that's what they kind of the they think the community can afford and they can charge within the community and whatever. It's, it's selling but, by uh, whatever, but what's the term? The economic term? Buyer beware. No, no. Uh, Okay, okay, keep going. I'm not. I completely forgot what it was. But um, (laughs) so so they're they're overpriced, right? Like to me, the season tickets are overpriced, especially when you look at other places where around the league supply and demand, supply and demand. There you go. Yeah. So they would say yeah. So they would uh, they would say that they would say that was I think one of the reasons why they felt they could charge more. But anyways, but it's if you think. So for someone like me who thinks the season tickets are, are overpriced, and I know there's lots of people who think the season tickets prices are just fine, and that's cool. But if you think those are a little bit expensive, like like a single match like ticket, like in the supporter end, is like thirty nine dollars on Ticketmaster before like ten dollars worth of fees. So it's like forty nine dollars ish for a single match ticket in the supporters end. Or in the or in the opposite in the family end like that's like that's crazy. Whitecap scarf thing tweeted something at us about how like the Lions are now having like five dollar kid tickets for, you know, for their upcoming season. But because, they've they've had really bad attendance, so they need to right. build that up. Um, I, yeah, I just thought it, it, it's kind of interesting. One thing I will say is it, we mentioned this last week on the show, but there is there is an initiative from from the Vancouver Southsiders and and Curva Collective who've been working for a number of months at. Um, a unified general admission section that is one of the things that might help in terms of getting people into the building earlier at least within that section or those sections or whatever that's going to look like and when i say early i don't mean like a portland style sleepover camp out weeks (laughs) in advance so you can get the seat you want i mean more like in how it works in for example middle cascadia where they have three or four sections that are ga and people arrive you know when the gates open or shortly thereafter and they get a variety they have an option of variety of types of seats now while zach gets his next tweet out uh getting obviously uh well, another thing we could talk about here is the tss um the rovers have uh they had a couple games this weekend 
um, really inspiring come from behind draw um, where they were down a man and a great, fantastic goal you guys called you and Michael. Um, your thoughts on the, how the season going for and the, the weekend itself today? They, I think they came back and won. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. and against the residency, the U18s. Yeah, you know, Friday. Obviously, this is a dream come true for William Colin, and it's it's awesome to see for me and Michael's perspective in the in the broadcast booth just to see how it's progressing. And those guys just come early and they work hard, and 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 the team does as well. Everyone behind the scenes, they just put everything together so well. And you know, the the victory on Friday showed and and showed the class of Zach Verhoeven. And even with ten guys, it's always tough to to come back. And and even today against the U eighteen residency, another good team. It looked like they were going to get outplayed and. They show character, came back, threw the right guys on as subs, and pulled out the three one win. Yeah, so. it's, it seems like the team is kind of uh, still finding its footing, yeah. you know, kind of thing. It's like um, they have they've kind of been put together. They've some players weren't available, some players got lost. Like it, it seems like they're yeah. still kind of finding their 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 shape and perfect. Yeah, to me, they have the right pieces, but I I think there's a couple more things. They added one guy uh, this Friday, Alejandro Varela. You hear about him later, but they, to me, there's they need a little bit more age, uh, but they have the right pieces to get it done, and they and they do have some chemistry as well from from college. But I think Zach has a, a tweet here. No, yeah, I was uh, Ken Ken Funk or Kunky underscore Fen. Um, wanted to wanted to hear us talk a little bit about TSS, how they're undefeated at Swangard, and yeah, Zach Verhoven, man. Other than I appreciate his first name, I mean, these last two games, <laughs> he has two goals that both, like just great quality. And it's not yeah. for, even the goals, but he, uh, just during the games, he's oh, yeah. just like uh, he's picking up the ball, just pushing it up the field, and everything like that. Um, it's hard to imagine that he's actually Canadian sometimes because <laughs> with the name and everything like that, you think he's been an import from Europe or something like that, but he's playing really well. And, and the atmosphere at Swangard has been fantastic so far. Um, um, they, they've obviously had a late start to like building that support, um, but they've built it up so quickly. And and I think I heard uh, in the tweets they've even started, uh, had a new chat with uh, – Bohemian Rhapsody from Queen or something like that. So, so it's 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 working out well. So Friday, yeah, Friday night. I think it was. I, th- I apologize if I'm wrong. I think it was Ben Massey yeah. who started started that, and then the whole song got sung. Oh, that's good. And uh, yeah, it was it was interesting. Uh, no, it was good times. Yeah, there's so there's a good little supporter community there. I think though, if you haven't been, you, come. Like you need yeah, to come so come and hang out. Ten bucks is the good price for a dig. Totally, and like the, I they I think they need attendances to be to be better. They're in the hundreds. It would be nice to see them break a thousand, you know, more than a thousand per yeah. game. Um, so come and support local football. Like this is a this is a huge thing. And like, if the weather holds up, it's a great place to watch the game. Every every it's so like picturesque and everything like that. You, you you get kind of a hint of the mountains and everything like that. You get the trees in the background. You got now you got supporters behind the nets and everything. Yeah. And as long as they're not harassing people too much, they should be fine. Well, okay. So on Friday, on Friday, I think these are kids from the TSS Academy. Okay. <laughs> Their parents, I don't think, want them by the Swan Guardians and the supporters that have gathered there. If they're kids, they should not be so, by the Swan so, Guardians. <laughs> so no. So they have their own supporters group on the on the side. I saw that. Yeah. With the, with the, with the, they, I don't know if their parents made the banner, but the PG group. They're no. They're called. They're called the Mama's, Mama's Boys, Boys. Oh. <laughs> and there's literally like this horde of like. Yeah. Young T- I think oh, they're yeah. mostly young TSS players. It's pretty funny. I think that's fantastic. And when, so some, there's some call and response. When, when they become legal, then they can just move over to the Swan Guardians. There you go. Or move out of their parents' basement. But seriously, if you haven't yet come, it's, uh, Steve, every every game there has been good weather. I think the first one was cold. Yeah. 
it rained other places, but not at the stadium. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, make sure you get out. I think it's Friday the Friday 16th. June sixteenth, uh, seven p.m. against Portland Timbers. Who else? U twenty three. That should be a good game. And we That's just the day after my birthday. And we just tied them, right? Yes. We, we had ten men. Zach Verhoeven got the equalizer. Uh, one of the Pelosi brothers got sent Pelosi, off. Pelosi, Marcelo, Pelosi, Pelosi, yeah, yeah. So he got sent. It was a tasty, but it was a feisty and fair yeah. as you uh, fair as you would expect with Quickly, the Portland yeah. side. Sorry, three. That's three and three for Verhoeven now, and and the friendlies and oh, the three. two games. Nice. So, and yeah. that's all at Swangar too. He himself, I'd say, is is worth the price of admission yeah. if I can say that. So, getting back to the tweets, we have some questions about Sam, which we kind of already talked about. One question we got too was about center back depth. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to talk about this for a moment, Steve. Do you think we need another center back for depth? Can't remember the last time Dean or Siler were on the bench for MLS game. Obviously, Dean is still recovering. Yeah, so yeah he, and it's not as bad as they first thought it was going to be. Right, but so, he's not. He's a he's at least I think a couple weeks away still. Yeah. I want to say. So don't expect to see Dean for a little while. I think Jacobson's probably their emergency center back yeah. at this right. point. Right, so they would just move him back and move someone else into Somebody the Somebody up there, yeah. Would, Which uh, would be a big drastic move from up at the up and, top. And, and one of the reasons why Siler has not been a player in the MLS 18. The WFC2 because, yeah, because they wanted to play WFC2. Well, yeah. So, for example, this weekend he's in Portland yeah. playing for them. So we saw that. Um, I think I think if there was if the uh, knock on wood there's an injury to one of the two starters right now it would be Siler I think that starts alongside and they wouldn't move Jacobson back well, at that point I think they would start I, Siler depends on the team I, maybe it depends yeah. on the team but I think I think they're they're they have confidence in Siler um, it might got a shaken a little bit against I, Montreal but I think they're okay with him I think the headband you wore last week was on too tight all week because yeah. there is no way. AJ will be there th- right now. AJ would be their third choice. I just back. don't think they want to mess up with the. What I'm, I'm not saying. Front. I'm not. I, I'm. Yeah. I, I'm. I think. I think. I think what I heard was some people's perspective that Sem was probably better in the first leg against Montreal, and the reason why Cole played the away leg was because they wanted to put the one player they put in Parker in, in the, from both legs. The only player they put in who's in the regular starting current starting eleven was Parker, and they put him there because he has a good connection on and off the pitch with, with Siler, and they thought that would would be better than Sam and, and Parker. Well, clearly they thought wrong. Well, yeah, that's a whole. <laughs> um, so, so any other tweets? Yeah, we got a million tweets, man. Yeah, we um, only got about two, three we, minutes. We got a million minutes. Um, make, make this a uh, rapid fire. Well, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, we talked a little bit, okay, what's going to happen when Shea's fully fit? Do we lose Chani? Do we lose Jacobson? Even at Dallas, do we want? I think this tweet is kind of getting at: Do we is Shea going to get the full game against Dallas because it's his former club? You would say replace him for Chani. I'm guessing, Steve. Yeah, I think they, they would probably put him on the wing. Maybe Bolognese, uh coming off the international break might not start, and they put put him in for him. Yeah, I on like the that. Wing. I, like I think that. that might be an option. We talked a, bit, a little bit about uh, Jay Duke, our good friend uh, at J underscore Duke on Twitter. Uh, is He's talking about Robinson um, starting to show some more or better tactical sense, acumen. Talked about the high press, which we talked a little bit about already. He says, is it uh, asked if it was noticeable during the game, not just the formation, but a concerted effort to make Atlanta resort to long balls over the top? We talked a little about that. Oh, I think that was definitely because they knew that they had the advantage in the air. Um, when we saw that on the set pieces either side. Here's a question I really want to get from, 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 from Jay Duke. Despite the excellent defensive performance against Atlanta, um, two games now, the Whitecaps were again unable to generate a goal from open play. Concert- That's what I talked about concerning. in the op- opening segment. Right. Um, I, I, it, it is a touch of a concern. They are generating chances, just can't finish them in open play. 
Um, so I'm not overly concerned. It's just like uh, kind of creeping in there. I'm not concerned at all, man. Like yeah. you, you score three goals from set plays, you should win the Bang. game. Yeah. No, no, yeah, you do. But I'm just saying creeping because you can't set plays. Sometimes don't always work. Yeah. You can't rely on them. As, you can't yeah, rely on them yeah. all the time because, especially in the MLS. Jay also asked the questions about about is our striker isolated too much? I think so. And is he doing enough? And oh, I think he's doing as much as he can. I think the frustration he shows. Shows that he's trying to do as much as possible. I see him sometimes he's way in the midfield trying to uh, yeah. get involved in the play. I think Bolanos is trying to do a better job of connecting the dots, but it's not it's not working for me, for him right now. That's so. why I think when Reyna comes back that I think he might be the answer, even yeah. though you might lose something defensively and in the pressure up front. Chris Corgan's very happy that we played some high pre- more high press than we usually have. Um, he's been waiting for it, he I says, think- for, three, for three years. Well, yeah, they're easing it into it. It's a, it's a it's a long process. You got to trust the process. Um, uh, Harvey. So last last tweet then. Oh, okay. Well, hang on, hang on. Okay. Well, second last tweet. Harvey slowing down. Discuss. And then in no, brackets, I think we discussed in, that last week. And then in bracket, <laughs> and then in brackets, I'm sad about it. No, I think I think it it obviously comes with the game, but we also don't know. We we're seeing he's slowing down, but. Uh, I don't know if that they, they're talking about going forward and everything. He's not uh, contributing as much yeah. going forward. Maybe that's what they want him to do, to stay back a little bit and let Williams be the guy going forward. So kind of make it a three sort of, not really. If Yeah, well, because you want three yeah. people at the back. You don't want yeah. both fullbacks shooting up the mm-hmm. uh, pitch. especially Which, again, which has again, happened before as well, yeah. and it's bit us in the behind. So. But I think he's maybe even contemplating the the because uh, the goal it was oh well it was Garza that scored it Gressel was wide open on the right side too where Harvey would have been, yeah. and so maybe that's what he's talking about. But I I think it, it's going to come eventually. For me, for it, it depends on who's on the left wing because I have seen Harvey interchange well with Davies sometimes this year and yeah. and Shea. But it just for me it just depends who's there, who's fit, you know, who's fast enough to get back and forth, and it depends on the player. So, so okay, so last tweet. Um, is just a, goes back to attendances. Uh, it's just a follow up to our discussion that we just had on attendances. Yeah. And this comes from Mike Corbin, and Mike Corbin, as far as I understand, is an an island dweller or has been in the past. He says uh, some of my friends from Vancouver Island are in the 390 shortfall. The difference in the season um, season overall season attendance numbers. Yeah. Um, and he says that weekday. Sunday and matches after four thirty are the reasons that some of the people are not coming from the island because no, you can't catch a ferry to go home in time that evening. Correct. Yeah, and you don't want which to... is unfortunate because those Georgia Strait supporters, many of them are Southsiders as well. It, it's yeah. So it works better for them Saturday afternoon games. Yes. Yeah, okay. it does. So Saturday two thirty was probably great for them. Yeah, because they knew they were going to get home in a timely. And that's timely the, that's where it helps them a lot because they know it's two hours. They know how much time they need to get to the ferry and get back. Just no twelve o'clock games, please. <laughs> they need to charter a plane back to the island. Then. Well, the, what what do you call, what is that little float plane? The yeah, float plane. yeah, float plane. It's got I don't the, know how many got, people carry. It's though. got the club's logo, can't they? They got the helicopter charter, too. Can they charter that? Thing? The helicopter goes from downtown to uh, the harbor, or whatever. It's, it's a lot it's. of money, though. We'll oh, it is. Oh, <laughs> believe yeah. me, it is. I do. Okay, this goes way back. I remember Brett Graham. If you don't know who Brett Graham, he used to be president of Southsiders. Pilt Down Men. Pilt Down Men Seven or whatever. Yeah. He used to fly in. Like so many, when he was living in Victoria, he would fly in just for the game and go home that night or the next the next morning. Like this is like in the USL era. Yeah, it was it was crazy how much he would augment his schedule to make sure he was at the matches. That's not a knock against these current Island. No, no, it was, you, it was just uh, it was amazing all that he did back in the day. Yeah. 
not everybody can do that. It's it's hard. It, depending on people have families and stuff like that. It's hard to get out. Well, now, well, now he has a family, and he there brings you go. His, he brings his family to the match. That's excellent. So uh, with that, uh, we're going to uh, end the show. I know <laughs> a lot of you are disappointed out there. It's only one o'clock. We could go all night, I guess. But uh, just to let you know, also uh, the AFTN Soccer Show is brought to you in partnership with bcsoccerweb.com, your one-stop site for all local, national and international news. And they provide links. And uh, another thing is, expect, not in addition to this being a podcast this week, Yeah, Michael is also planning on putting out a yeah, podcast. Yeah, a special midweek podcast will be coming. It's either going to be Wednesday or Thursday. Um, uh, Michael's uh, had some in-depth chats uh, with Kendall Waston before the Atlanta game, uh, talking about Costa Rica, David Edgar, he talked all things about caps, uh, what he's been doing. I think I'm not sure. I think he talked a little bit about his play-by-play uh, color commentary as well, as well as uh, what what to expect with Canada. Um, and then he also talked with uh, Paul Stelteri, uh, yeah. the Diesel, uh, and he's the newly minted uh, uh, Canadian Ho- Soccer Hall of Famer. And so that that should be coming out midweek. Um, also next with Sunday. Um, it's going to be episode 200 for the AFTN Soccer Show. There's still time, our original name. I don't know if we still go by that name or not. There's still time, baby. Uh, um, it's going to be uh, basically a lot on the Canadian Premier League. Uh, there's some interesting guests that are going to be on there, uh, pre-recorded um, interviews. So look out for that next week. Um, obviously, there's going to be no game, so we'll have a lot of stuff to talk about and um, there might be charts, there might be maps. Um, it's not going to really work for audio, but uh, we'll have fun doing it in, in the studio. And I'm sure you'll have fun listening to us roll out the maps and everything, White, figure out where everybody's going. Whitecap Scarf's already asking if it's an all-night show. Oh, that one? Maybe. Maybe we'll do a marathon because it's 200. Uh, but before we sign off, uh, where can we find you guys? Uh, at Gideon Hill 18 on the Twitter. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Zachary AM, and I'm part of the Movement Curva Collective. I'm Steve Pander, and you can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. You can also find Michael uh, when he's back from Oregon on Twitter at AFTN Canada, and you can find all our articles on AFTN.ca. So, another week down, another a break coming up. It's going to be interesting to see what happens when they do come back from break because in the past they have not come back from break. And I, hope, I was hoping you were going to mention <laughs> the World Cup break, the Montreal, the Montreal game. game. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, thanks, for everybody, for listening. So in the meantime and in between time, thank you for listening. And Mon the Caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life. Mm-hmm.